I try my my change my training up quite a bit recently with doing a lot more calisthenics type stuff. Yeah, because, uh, I needed something to fill the existential dread when I lost my identity as a, a big guy who could lift you know mediocre weights, and then I was like a leaner guy who couldn't lift anywhere close to my old weights. So I had to kind of shift focus, but that's been a lot of fun. So I actually I'm training every day at the moment now because I'm enjoying that so much. That's good. I mean, I think you just got to keep doing stuff, man. I don't know if there's uh, a good, you know, I'm trying to develop more of a sense of just what, what do I want to do? Right. Like, and like, take my, take, take it away from like being what other people are doing. Right. But it's so hard. I think, you know, I, there's just, I've always wanted to like squat, like 500 pounds right like that's just been a goal for a long time yeah part of it it doesn't it you know like i think you're the same way like lifting doesn't necessarily it didn't and part of it's me changing this mindset too that like oh i'm not a strong guy right like i there i think there is something to that um like kind of self-fulfilling prophecy where you just see so many people who just don't care and they just show up and they like do the best they can on a regular interval interval and they just keep getting better versus the people who like care a lot and really want the outcome. Yeah. It almost like it almost like they self-sabotage. Right. Um, totally. But I think, yeah. And then I, you know, I know me and you both just like follow Jim Wendler and like, or just, you know, we appreciate who he is. And he's just shifted most of what he does to just a ton of calisthenic work. And you know, like, you know, he's also been really strong. So it like, it like, he just doesn't care anymore. Right. Where it's like, for me, yeah. I want to hit, I want to hit these numbers in my mind. And then it's like, then what are you going to be happy? Probably not. Right. So. Yeah. I think it's a lot easier to change gears entirely when you've hissed those landmarks that you had in your head. For me, yeah. That was a 200 kilo squat um, and getting my bench and deadlift to somewhere where I felt like it was kind of strong in that intermediate range. So after I did a 200 kilo squat, I did a 122 bench and a 227 deadlift, which the only reason I did that is because it's 500 pounds in freedom units. Um, and you know, after that, I kind of felt like, you know, the work that I'd put in for so many years was vindicated and I just didn't really have the, the motivation anymore to, to keep pushing, to add more onto that. And that's why I decided yeah. to shift to something that would be, uh, cohesive with losing weight, especially, but I think there's a lot to be said for, you know, just going for something because it is, is a goal that appeals to you in your head and it's okay if it's arbitrary because it's all arbitrary at the end of the day, the exercises yeah. we choose to do, the weights we're shooting for, they tend to be nice round numbers or they tend to equate to the amount of plates that you have on the bar. But I think that's totally fine. So it seems like your goals are mostly focused around powerlifting at the moment, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm actually I'm actually going to do an Olympic lifting meet in like three months. Nice. So I'm just I'm just to the point where it's like I'm just sign up for something and yeah. just train for it, right? Like, um, it's not really about me. It's it's not really about me like 
I think one of the things that stopped me from doing a powerlifting meet for a while was just this mentality of like, well, I'm not going to be the strongest guy there. And it's like, well, yeah. you're probably never going to be the strongest guy there. <laughs> that's that's a like, big one people have is that I'm not strong enough to do a competition yet. And that's yeah. like, you're thinking about it backwards there, you know, like doing the competition is going to make you stronger. Exactly. I mean, because it's, it really is that, you know, you sign up for it, maybe you're four months out, six, six months out, whatever, a decent clip. I don't think, you know, unless you're somebody who's trained consistently like signing up for your first one two months away may not be the best idea but that really does like focus your training and then like when you're on there there really is something to be said about like you know i've set prs in all my lifts like on the platform and then that gives you like it's it gives you mental confidence that like oh yeah like i can do more like i you know in in the gym in the gym testing, you know, is good, but being like on like a platform and in front of people who honestly, most people are rooting, like everybody's rooting you on. Let's be honest. Like most people are like, yeah, yeah. like I want you to make it right. Um, I remember the, the first powerlifting competition that I had my parents come to, they were like blown away by what an uplifting positive environment it was. I think yeah. my mom, my mom was like, I just thought that like, you know, everybody would just be rooting for their person or whatever. But then you see everybody is, is cheering somebody on when they see them struggling on their final deadlift or whatever to try to get the thing up. So uh, powerlifting meets, I, I'm not a fan of the way they're typically structured with just how fucking long they go on for. And yeah. like, they're usually in some dingy little uh, gym in a warehouse where the toilets are uh not exactly up to standard and you're waiting around for seven or eight hours and all of that stuff but you can't fault the um the the goodness of the, the powerlifting community and um they tend to be really good people yeah yeah the bathroom quote is a very poignant one because it's like oh man those things get torched well i just remember doing i think it was the third powerlifting meet that i did and and actually, funny enough, I think that was the the one that my parents came to, and it was such a trial by fire for them because you were like walking up. So I was in obviously like a little crappy industrial estate, and you know you're walking up to the front door, but there was actually like a like a plank, like a pirate plank, propped up instead of a ramp because the toilets had broken. I think like the sewage tank or something like that. So there was a stream of sewage flowing in front of the entrance to the gym so you had to step up over this plank to get into the gym without stepping in the sewage oh my gosh um and i just kind of thought that sort of like perfectly encapsulated what like you know hardcore powerlifting gyms are like and then yeah. you got the chalk everywhere and the dumbbells all over the place and the the metal playing and stuff like that it's it's great they're special environments we, we can't let those places die you know yeah no i think it's one of the things I think about all the time. So it's funny because you're, I, I definitely, I love the online component of what I do, but uh, you know, as like a physio, I still just think there's a lot to be said and done when you're in person with somebody, but mm -hmm. my dog's going crazy. Phoebe, go upstairs. Um, it's all blurred out. I, yeah. Well, I, I should unblur it. She's it's being a spaz. Um, yeah, she, uh, She's a, she gets to play with her friends. They're probably outside right now. Um, but basically, like, I don't want gym culture. I, I think I'm not like a 
hardcore metal I love. I love like more classic, like classic rock. And, you know, I yeah. love like I love music that like gets you fired up and whatnot. But um, I don't want fitness to become so clean and polished that it like loses like not ever like the gym, like weightlifting gyms and stuff shouldn't be like, like freaking soul cycle. Right. Like it shouldn't be like super, well, so is that super like clean. a spin class or something? Yeah. Like it's okay. just like there's and there's a movement in the States to some degree to like make everything almost like um like everybody would have you'd, it, you'd you'd get like 20 racks and you'd do like a group strength class where everybody has their own rack they have their own like like you know bike behind them and it's just like a modular gym yeah. setup yeah. right like and that might if it gets people into fitness that's great but it's also just like it's almost like too clean right it's like this isn't what an actual gym experience is you know um, yeah yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's crazy how different all all the various segments that that fall under that fitness industry umbrella are from each other. Where whether it's like the yoga classes versus uh, online coaching versus a spin class versus boot camps in a park, like they're all they're so different from each other, and they all appeal to such different types of people. You know, like yeah. and it's. I've realized that that is actually probably a big strength of the type of stuff that you and I do is that a lot of people really don't think that the type of training we do with people actually even exists. They're not, they're not aware of it. It's that uh, adage of like, you, you can't know what you don't know type thing. And yeah. actually the more that I think of this, that was what I thought fitness was as well before I got into it. I associated it with like step aerobics and spin classes and um, just like, yeah, this very polished kind of superficial, superficially focused version of fitness. And there's a huge amount of people, I think, who would love to find something that's a little bit more little bit more uh gritty and less airs and graces about us and like being able to come in like the guys that i train love the fact that they can come into the gym and depending on who's in there like i can throw on like acdc and led zeppelin and we can talk about like some real nerdy shit they were watching on netflix while they're doing deadlifts like that yeah. blows people's minds that there's a part of fitness that caters for that yeah no i think that's there's a super there's a ton of good points in that and my my first perceptions of like what training should be were like you know high school football uh weight room which was it's like the old school 80s you know mentality where people are doing really crappy power cleans and then like just terrible looking squats that the we know now that there's not necessarily anything wrong with that but like yeah uh technique isn't the, the end all be all but i mean like also just like there's a, there's a middle ground right yeah exactly putting a bunch of weight on a kid's back and having him quarter squat it may not yeah. always be the best thing right um yeah. but but then it was also then it was like navy seal culture for me or like special operations like you know run run as far as you can mm -hmm. you know do a bunch of push-ups on the grinder um that type of stuff and for me like like excuse me there there's a middle ground where it's like train relatively hard but then like manage your stress like i think most people should i i don't think most people i think most people need to develop the sense that like 
learning to actually turn your brain off and truly relax is just as important as like doing the work right um yes. if you're ruminating big time big time if you're ruminating about like the stuff you didn't do in the gym or i i just know i used to like i'd get so frustrated if i didn't have a good workout and it's like why who cares it's like you literally got a workout in right um but i'm actually one of the things yeah i just said i don't really want gyms to become too too polished but i also think like there's probably a super good niche for like hey we're gonna do you know two compound lifts and uh like a little bit of like barbell like a little bit of bodybuilding not barbell bodybuilding like we do we do like a squat and a press and then like bicep curls and like a plank right and then we're gonna do 20 minutes of like yin yoga like in like a 60 minute class right like mm -hmm. i think that it would be a sick like if you did that with people like that would be a tremendously awesome like physical practice right because you kind of yeah. combine like the active strength strengthening thing that a lot of people don't get and then you also combine it with there's a you know like you kind of split the difference between hey i'm gonna go do yoga yeah. because it's flexibility and it's also a lot of people do yoga because it makes them feel good because it's 45 to 50 to 60 minutes of like honestly like manageable discomfort right like when you go through one of those i don't know if you've ever done like a vinyasa or whatever flow it's like uh, i did so i did a yoga class before the exact branch of yoga it was i wouldn't be able to tell you yeah but even just like holding you know i don't really think that I, it's not that stretching uh, is ineffective i just like it's not it what it's not the panace, uh, panacea panacea that yeah. uh people put it out to be right in the olden days just because i think at some point we just recognized people needed to rest or like yeah, yeah you're training too hard like take a step back but it does feel good like last night before bed i stretched for like 10 minutes or i just like got in like a lunge position and you know and then i touched my toes and yeah. i just breathe and it's like, oh, yeah, this is kind of meditative. And I think that Absolutely. balance is something more people should strike, right? Totally. I mean, I think so many of these conversations about what's the right approach for people to take, it, it really is massively dependent upon who we're talking about. Because if we're talking yeah. about the average person, the average person effectively does nothing. So... Yeah. I would actually love to see the average person do functional patterns. Go for it. Yeah. Like if, if it's the, if the choice is you being sedentary and sitting on the couch and, you know, allowing yourself to fall into all of these high risk categories for mortality and morbidities, anything that you do is good. I don't care if I slightly disagree with the narrative. I don't care if like you get a supplement pushed on you. It's still, in the grand scheme of things better than nothing i think a lot of these discussions are really talking about people who are already into the fitness zone and they're now shopping around about how do i actually get to doing something semi-intelligent and practical yeah. and then that's that's where i think a lot of the, the debate happens and i think it depends on who you're working with basically i know for me I am typically working with people who are in that beginner zone um, and are smart enough to not get suckered into some of the really bad stuff out there. But I have worked with people before who, you know, for maybe more like motivation reasons, you know, if they say to me, I just want to do these types of exercises, I just want to do once a week, I'm always like, 
great. Like if you've told me that all you want to do is stuff on the cable machine and you don't want to do any cardio, like until, until somebody is doing exercise regularly for months, I think there's so much scope for different things that you can get them to do. That's, it's going to very easily make them a lot healthier, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, have you ever, have you ever seen uh, the muscle and strength pyramid by Eric Helms? Yeah. I, yeah. I watched some of his YouTube videos on that back in the day. I mean, consistency, quote unquote, an adherence is, you know, just showing up mm-hmm. twice a week. I, I'm a hundred percent with you. And this is one of the hard parts about like, like quote unquote marketing is because you kind of have to have a hill to stand on a little bit. Totally. Yeah. What I, yeah. what I love to see everybody like, sprinting and doing big motor patterns and getting stronger like yeah but most people just they just need to go ride a bike twice a week right like they need to do something they enjoy and just make it a habit and and then like you said you know uh i had an 89 year old woman her a daughter like my neighbor and her mom um so her my neighbor's like in her late 50s or early 60s and she brought her mom over and like i taught him to squat bench and deadlift in some Uh, form right yeah yeah and it's freaking awesome it's like it's really fun and gratifying to like coach them yeah and they also like i i was a complete dipstick like because i thought i knew more than i did for a long Mm. time and then when yeah. I finally like started to just sacrifice my ego and be like, okay, like you do know stuff, but you don't really know how to like push yourself. And mm. you also, your ego, you, you've you made your ego bigger than your actual capacity, than your actual like capacity, right? Like it's like the guy, it's, it's the classic guy who benched 405 in high school and now he's in his late 40s and like he's not willing to go and bench at all because... A, he never benched 405, and B, he's afraid to look weak, right? Like It was, it was all him, quotation yeah. marks. <laughs> I mean, it, what it really was is I was I was too afraid to actually start where I was and, and appear weak, mm-hmm. and even if nobody else cares, because nobody else cares, right? Like, yeah. when you go in and you lift, if it's like, you know, if you're benching or, like, if you're trying, that's what matters, right? Yeah. But I was afraid to look weak. And that's what kept me weak. Right. And, and it's like, now that I realize that it's like, oh yeah, like it's just like me getting like my doctorate mm-hmm. in like physio, you know, being, be, being a physical therapist. It's like, I don't know, like I know a lot and I I've seen people rehab injuries and like manage this stuff. And I've, I've gotten a lot of experience, but there's still the amount of stuff we don't know about, the human body and most of it i think is honestly kind of psych psychology yeah like it because that's what most of like pain science is just leading us it's like people's beliefs and fears dictate a lot of it and their yeah. conditioning right but navigating another human that doesn't necessarily trust me is really hard right until i can get them to buy in quote unquote um yeah. and that's just like you know, that's kind of why super charismatic people who put, you know, that's why that's why the fitness space on Instagram and on social media is the way it is. Because if you come up with something that you, you know, if you're David Weck, uh, the Basu ball guy, and you say that, like, 
this is the thing that's going to get everything in line. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of people who will believe that or they want it to be true. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very easy to do something like that because to be honest, people want this. Like I've had it a loss with, I'll put up something that is probably like a somewhat controversial opinion or a hot take. And it's amazing how many people will like latch onto that and try to get you to kind of pitch yourself against other people's ideas on it. So I don't know, for example, uh, if I came out and said like dumbbell bench press is not really all that effective for developing your pushing strength or something like that. Something which I don't agree with, by the way, but like, yeah. let's just say something that like is a real spicy take and doesn't really make much sense. It's just kind of like very controversial. I, I've, I've had similar situations like that where people are like, Oh, so like I should, I shouldn't do that at all. What should I be doing instead? Like people just love when somebody who they view as an authority figure can come along and say, don't do this, do exactly this. And it's something that can be easily kind of branded or um, that you can form an identity around. Yeah, And that's something that's so challenging with social media because it's built for that. And you're probably shooting yourself in the foot from a pure a pure business standpoint if you don't take that approach because if you look at around if you look around at all the people who are the most successful um i don't know a lot about that david weck david weck guy but i know he's all about like um poor movement so like not core uh, like anti-rotation stuff but like actually moving your core when you're doing exercises like that's his brand or his little soundbite that he can staple his yeah. business to and people go oh it's that guy it's the yeah ab movement guy or whatever i, I don't know what yep. his exact terminology for it is or if it's yeah. naudi it's like he's the functional movement guy or the the barefoot running guy and uh that's why i think that it's very important not to get into the influencer um battle on, yeah. on social media because you're playing a totally different game than to the game of actually trying to get people on board to like a coaching service. Cause most of the, most of the people who are like big influencers in the fitness game on social media, aren't actually coaches in the sense of like their day job is working with people one-on-one every day. Their, Their job is building this brand that they can sell products through or, yeah. Um, so I think there's like that David Wecker, he's just like Bozu balls or something, or he's he invented the Bozu ball. Wow, um, really? That's was yeah, that not this... Paul Check. I thought, I mean, I'm gonna Google this now. Get young, oh, this he, is Joe Rogan Swiss, moment. Is the Swiss uh, ball a different thing? Are those two different things? I think so. Um, somebody ripped somebody off there. David Weck invented the Bozu ball balance trainer 2000. Holy shit, man, he must have made so much money from that. Yeah, it's like, crazy. He... I thought it. I thought it was older than two thousand, but two thousand is the year. But going back, yeah. yeah. Wow, that's got to be a big earner. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, there's they're in every gym, like they're in every commercial gym, every like yeah. physio clinic, right? I heard um, actually. I heard somebody making a point about this a while ago on a coaching podcast, 
Um, it was. Do you follow that guy, Keir Winham Flat? No. He's um he's got some good business stuff for coaching, but like he was saying that he heard that Louis Simmons, so like in the last kind of 10, 15 years of his life, they really started trying to kind of build the brand of Westside Barbell. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they had the books, they had the coaching courses, all the all the stuff. But um I think when he went to go visit him, he found out that the biggest earner for them by far was the reverse hyper machines. Yeah. And uh, like when you think about what a good business model that is, if you can corner the market for a piece of exercise equipment that yeah. can be distributed globally, I mean, yeah. something like a, a Swiss ball, like that is in pretty much every single gym and is just now like a part of like, oh yeah, you're opening a gym. You've got kettlebells, you've got a Swiss ball. Yeah, or whatever it is, a bozy ball. I don't want to say the wrong name, but you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, sorry. What we were talking about there is yeah, that whole idea that you know, there's a difference between building an influencer brand that you can attach products to and quick sound bites and stuff, and having a a coaching service. Well, it's so just even going back to like okay, so you know, starting strength, Mark Ribito, the beauty of simplicity. You know, there's just people who are going to latch on to just run the run a linear progression. You don't you don't auto regulate. Right. You don't use RPE. You just select the right weight and you push on it. Right. Like, man. And when I when I read that book, I'm like, this is awesome. Like this. Oh, it's so simple. Right. And it's in in that simplicity is a lot of power. And it's it, it. there's a lot of people who really, you know, uh, Mark Rivito has a soundbite going around is like complexity people. I don't know. It's like uh, complexity appeals to stupid people. And I'm like, I thought, yeah, I thought, I mean, I thought you were going to say it'd be something like complexity is for liberals. Yeah, probably. Right. <laughs> uh, but, and, uh, you know, and what they've built around the simplicity and honestly, Mark Ripito just continuing to be Mark Ripito is like, they've built a, a coaching certification. They're building gyms that are starting strength oriented gyms. Yeah. And the reality of it is, is like, it's a really good program, but yeah. it's also, there's also a bell curve to it. I'm not seeing, you know, the best lifters in the world doing LPs and not auto-regulating, right? Like, you know, I'm seeing them embrace that, mm-hmm um there's there's differences in technique like and not everybody's technique is going to look exactly the same mostly because over time totally yeah organization of the self changes and then also i just think there's a lot of people like myself included who like i just didn't want to like like only do those four movements like Mm -hmm. i i think i think what a lot of it should be is like pick like 10 to 12 things you want to get good at yeah and then give yourself some grace like uh you know like if you're pressing and you're benching and you're, and then you're, you know, like you vary it up a little bit, that's great. But then going full CrossFit for a lot of people doesn't necessarily get them strong. It'll get you healthy, which is yeah. cool too. Right. But my, the big thing with, yeah, like what we're saying is like, you got to have something that you can just beat like a dead horse because that's actually how marketing works. Right. And then something like the reverse hyper, I think about this all the time. Like, there really is no such thing as like rehab exercises. And in reality, when you're, if your back hurts, like, and I know Louie had some jacked up stuff, but like he was just trying to find a stimulus that felt good to him. Right. And you can, broke his back like fucking 10 times or something. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> one because, of my favorite. Like, just, like, did you watch the documentary? West Side. I need to watch the full thing. I've watched bits and pieces of it. It's just so funny. Like he's talking about how he came up with the reverse hyper, and it was something like, "After I broke my back the third time, I just knew there had to be a better way to train." <laughs> it's just like, God fucking damn it, man! Like most people would have packed it in after the first time, but Jesus Christ, three three times breaking your back. But it's a great. It's a great piece of equipment. Um, I actually really enjoy using it. But sorry, go on. Yeah. No, I mean it's it's kind of just what it is, right? If he found something that felt good and that would train basically, you know, hip extension in an opposite way with like a fixed, you know, you, you got your a fixed, relatively fixed like lumbar spine, right, or stabilized, and then you just mm-hmm. hip extend, right? Like theoretically, to, to navigate pain, he probably mm-hmm. could have just walked. Right. A, a ton of walking and, and you know, or d- found stuff that he probably could have done yoga. Right. Like, because that's the cool thing about like managing, in my opinion, is if you're willing to experiment, you're probably going to find something that feels good. What keeps people boxed in with that type of stuff is just their expectations, what they want to do. Right. Like yeah. if you're having pain with squats, it's like, OK, just go leg press or, or manage it until and, and like find a variation. Right. But people just get lost in their sauce and and don't manage themselves. I think a big thing as well is that a lot of the time, the the things that work, work because they just get people to stop picking the scab. I think if you if you look at people like powerlifters, like Louis Simmons, anybody who's really into training, I think more often than not they're going to fall into that bracket of the people who are endurance copers who just keep on finding ways to keep doing the exercises they want to do and just be like, ah, it still hurts a little bit, but not that much. I can kind of do it. And it's trying to find something that fits into their belief system around pain and that they'll enjoy that allows them to just take the foot off the gas. And you know, a reverse hyper, depending on how you load it, could be a different enough of an exercise and enough of a reduction in load on whatever specific tissue is aggravated that your back starts feeling better. Problem is, a lot of people will stand back and be like, oh my God, reverse hypers are magic. And as you say, maybe it's just the fact that you just stopped doing heavy deadlifts for a few weeks and did some kind of exercise, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's no. hard to convey that to people. I think that, yeah, I, I'm a, I'm, I'm with you on like, you got to stop picking the scab and then so much of it comes down to like what your beliefs are about what you're experiencing. Right. Yeah. And like, you know, um, like for me, I I've been getting, I've been getting hip slash knee pain on my left leg specifically from bilateral squats for three or four years now. And yeah. It's not a bad pain. It's like a two out of 10 pushing to a three at most, but it's just chronic and consistently there. And I've stopped doing squats now for the last, I'd say it's been about a month and a half since I did a regular two-footed squat. And part of me is like, maybe that's because there's just a specific part of my body that was getting stressed that needs a break from that um and part of it could be that i've just got so much sensitization 
an association with pain from doing that movement pattern that I'm going to imagine a little bit more than is actually going on there. But regardless, all I know is that when I do single leg exercises like lunges or step ups or split squats, it doesn't happen as much. And my hip and knee has been feeling a lot better week to week than it usually would. So sometimes I think it's like, regardless of what's going on, if it works, it works. And if it's not causing any harm, you just got to go with something that's finally working, you know? Yeah. No, there's, I can't remember who it was. There was somebody who's a very good power lifter. Like he's like a, he's like an 80, I don't know. He's like a mid middleweight power lifter. And you know, he, he basically was describing something similar to you. Whereas like when his squat volume, when he squatted like more than like, you know, basically when he squatted, what everybody says, you kind of got to squat, which is like two to three times a week for, you know, let's say like six to 10 working sets, quote unquote, <clears throat> right? Like whenever he would do that, his hip, his like hip would just not feel good. Right. And yeah. then, so him and another coach is like, your, your motor pattern is like good enough, right? Like you can, you know how to like squat like once, you know, like you can go squat a heavy rep and what they did is they just like they he did like he did like one set of like working weight squats a week and then he did yep. like a ton of just other unilateral training and just what felt good but that he could push and he still went out and like squatted like you know 700 pounds you know he nice. like PR without yeah, actually yeah. squatting a lot right so it's one of those things. It's like, there's so many ways to skin the cat with this stuff. It's just like, what are you willing to try? And will you believe in it? Right? Like, yep. that's kind of where I'm at. Um, And, and so much of it really is that like, you know, just doing the work and believing that you're headed in the right direction makes a huge difference. And yeah, a lot of that's just intention. Right. And, and like when the better job I do of explaining to people what they're trying to do, or what like the goal of their overarching, like, you know, their week of training or the next four weeks of is, you know, based on their goals, the better people typically just execute it. As long as they're consistent, it's like, oh yeah, you're making good progress. Right. Yeah. It's when I feel like I don't do a good job of that. Or, you know, people just like, it's the same thing. You know, it the hardest part for most people is just showing up consistently. And when they, you know, um, when they're maybe struggling with that or they're not feeling their best, it's like, okay, what do I, do I take a, you know, what do I do here? Do I even want to keep doing this? Cause that's another thing that pops up in your head. Like, why am I even doing this? Right. Like, yeah. So, but yeah, I think for me, it's just the overarching desire to not be out of shape completely. Right. Like re- really motivates me, but I've also have, there's a lot of literal like fear around that. Like I've worked in hospitals and nursing homes and places where people just you know their health was not good and yeah it's hard to it's hard to like that's a motivator for me but a lot of people don't see that up front so they don't have that and it's also kind of bad like that that kind of takes me into some existential dread at times because it's like i could be working all doing all this work and i could still end up in a in a bad spot right yeah well you you can only control what you can control and i think everybody has some semblance of a notion of what's waiting for us all in 70s 80s plus if we're lucky enough to get there but it's like smokers they know about lung cancer they're just in denial you know and and people have bad health habits as a coping mechanism um have you read atomic habits 
Yeah. I love that book. And the the biggest thing that I took away from that outside of the the power of starting with something very small and building from there is that there is no such thing as a bad habit to your brain. There's only effective habits or ineffective habits. And we don't form thing as a habit. We don't form a habit unless it is accomplishing a goal. And, uh, you know, people have just set up coping mechanisms in place that aren't good for their health, but it's easier to keep yourself in the state of denial than to have to do the unpleasant work of undoing those. And usually I, you might offend this as well with working with uh, people online, like the more kind of why questions you start asking about like, well, you know, why are you getting bad sleep? Cause I'm on my phone all night. Okay. Well, why are you on your phone all night? Oh, cause I'm trying to distract myself from this thing that's going on at work. Uh, why is that stressing you out? Bad, bad, bad. You get to the end of the series of questions and what started as I'm getting bad sleep ends up with, I hate my job. I need to change careers. And you're like, Oh fuck. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of like, something that you need to go away and think about because you know i can't change careers for you i can give you strategies to to mitigate the stress and and help you get workouts in but um unfortunately a a lot of the stuff that gets in the way of fitness is big life decision type stuff what you just alluded to is at the root of a lot of people's so when you you know it's i think it's a carl young but, you know, uh, I don't remember who it is. It's like when, oh, it's a, it's a Victor Frankel. When you are devoid of meaning, you fill up your life with like pleasure or pain. Right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, like, I don't know if you've ever read like John yeah, Sarno. Best. He's a, uh, John Sarno is kind of, he was a, he was a rehab doctor and he was getting tons of people with like long-term chronic pain. And then he was sending them to therapy in conjunction yeah. with exercise and their pain would get better. Right. Because yeah. they're dealing with their internal strife and they're managing their physical health better. Yeah. Right. And the tricky thing for a lot of people is when they're already exercising, it's like, well, I'm doing my exercise to manage my stress. I'm like, that's great. You also probably need to like, you need to clarify what you want out of life. Right. And yeah, the deep, the deep whys, like that's kind of, it's one of the hard things. Like my wife will say this to me is like, people haven't made the connections you have about like health and fitness and meaning because they're not freaking studying philosophy. They're just trying to be an accountant. Right. Or they're just trying yeah. to be like uh, a nurse or whatever. Right. And me and you were like pretty philosophical guys. We, we listen to, you know, we listen to stuff that's interesting where we're interested in learning. And I'm not saying that people aren't that way. But there's a reason that we're that way. And it's probably because when we as we grew up, like we just latched on to learning. Right. And um, yeah. And like, yeah, it's <laughs> so many of people's people don't even realize that like the things they're doing are, are are coping mechanisms and then like learned helplessness and even calling it like I've wanted to make a post on learned helplessness for a long time, but I'm almost just afraid of offending people so much, but it really is like when you don't feel like you can change, you just settle into this state where you're going to have these self-fulfilling prophecies and you're going to struggle. Right. And you really just have to kind of recognize what's going on and like fight to change as best you can and be okay with the struggle. Like, yeah. And 
Atomic Habits is a great one because it's actual practical advice. Like, yeah, be okay with starting really small and realizing <laughs> that like you're going to have to maintain these small habits and eventually they'll build. Um, but like, I mean, look at even, you know, I think we've been conversating in some way, shape or form for almost like a year and a half to two years now. Um, probably since a year the, and a half. Since I probably started putting up memes anyway. That was about two years ago. Yeah, right. So it's like, you know, my business, I'm basically two years into my online, my coaching business. And, you know, there's, it's, it's really hard. There's ebbs and flows, but I'm also at a, like, I'm at a sustainable point. I've probably been at a sustainable point for six months now. Right. Yeah. And, right. you know, you just, you gotta like trust that the work you're trying to do is going to pay off. And it's just like in fitness or health or in life, like you're going to go through growing pains and, but you know, you got to kind of choose the things you want to give a F about, which is also a good book. I like Mark Manson's, uh, uh what is it? Uh, is that how not to give a hook or something? Or? Yeah. 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 Subtle art. Um, yeah, that is, because... sorry, go, go, on. go on. There you go. No, I think it's just like, you got to just, you know, figure out, just keep it. Simplicity is really beautiful. And there's going to be times where you need to be a little bit more complex, but it's like, there's only like five or six things that really matter in life. Right. Like, your health, your family, relationships, you know, probably making enough money to like keep those things in a good spot. And then like managing your overall like self doing, you know, doing new things, right? Like those are probably the five or six things that really matter. You you forgot arguing on social media. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so enriching. So enriching for the soul. Uh, no, absolutely. I mean, like, yeah, the the... The clue to that is, um, and I think there were, it was a book that was released, but there's definitely some kind of project that was done before that was interviews with people who were terminally ill on their deathbeds in hospice or whatever. And it was just kind of people's closing thoughts on their lives and regrets they had and stuff like that. And I think, um, work is rewarding for the challenge and the process of it in itself. Like, I think it's important to, to have challenges in our lives that we overcome and going back to what you were saying about that learned helplessness is that's, that's that disbelief that you could actually achieve something, but no, nobody has ever looked back at their life and regretted that they didn't guess some kind of an outcome from the work they were looking for whether that was the money or the car or x amount of weight on the bar or whatever they would potentially regret not having challenged themselves enough or not having seen if they could have done that thing that they were um that they were doubtful about you know i mean like that's the main reason why i'm making one of my main goals at the moment is to do a muscle up is because that's something I just never would have thought I could possibly do when I was say like 16 or something like that, getting into training. I've done lifting with barbells long enough now that I know I, I have the bank of evidence of success built up that I know that I know how to get another 10 kilos onto my squat or my deadlift. I'm not saying that it would be a, a cakewalk could take longer than I would think, but I have, the self-efficacy to know that I could do that. There is some doubt in my mind that I can do a muscle up and it would be far more fulfilling for me to guess 
my first strict muscle up than to get another 10 kilos onto my squat because it just builds that extra bit of confidence in yourself. And I was thinking about this the other day because there was like some monkey bars and the pull-up bars that I was doing my uh, my pull-ups off of. And I was trying to kind of like swing across them, you know, like grabbing it one arm at a time. And I had like this crazy flashback to being maybe like eight or nine years old in a playground. And I remember trying that and I couldn't do it. And all the other kids were able to do it. They were able to swing across because when you're like eight years old, you weigh, I don't know, 30 or 40 pounds, I'm guessing, maybe a bit more than that. Um, Probably like 50, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm bad with my pants. I don't, also don't know what kids weigh. So, But the point of that is that I remembered what that felt like. And I remember thinking at the time, I just can't do that. Whereas now it's like 20, however many years later. And I'm like, I could do that. I just have to start off hanging from the bar and then yeah. trying to hang by one arm and then trying to reach for one bar and then trying to get two in a row. Um, so yeah, just kind of an offshoot of what you were talking about there that like, all of the most important things in life are relationships and you know your connections with other other people and then outside of that anything that falls outside of that that we stress about like work training any of that bullshit i think it's all about just proving to yourself that you can actually do things you know and that you can overcome challenges and then the personal growth that comes from that yeah no, it's funny because you that I've had a, you know, there's multiple instances like it's uh, I remember not being able to do like pull ups in like elementary school. And there was, uh, you know, so there was definitely like there's definitely kids that couldn't either. But I just remember like the kids that I hung around with like and I probably wanted to be like an athletic kid. And I was I was to some degree, but not not a ton, not like, you know, super athletic, but I couldn't do pull ups. And it was like, uh, you know, what do I do? Yeah. And I think, yeah, it's kind of like a self-image. Like it's fracturing of your self-image to be like, ah, I'm just not good at this. And and what mm. it really is, is more, it's like, well, you just, you know, I think there are, like, I just think there are certain tendencies, like, you know, just how motor control works. There's some, there's some people who just see something and they figure out how to do it. And I don't yeah. think, and then I think there's a lot of people who are not like that but it doesn't mean they can't get good at it. It just means that their initial learning curve is going to be greater. Right. And the tricky thing, um, and you know, when I was, I was, I worked with uh, a couple, like I worked with a starting strength coach and great guys. And the, the, the sweet thing about, um, the initial part of like their kind of system is that it is very specific. It's like, hey, you stand, you know, you stand, your your stance has to be shoulder width with your toes turned out to 30 degrees, right? Okay, yeah. you've got to lean over in your squat X amount, right? But at a certain point, <coughs> oh, excuse me. You're it, good. <coughs> excuse me. Dang. <coughs> it became <coughs> I got one more. I mean, it's coming up. Get a full okay. cough then and I'll just splice it out. <coughs> there we go. You're good. All right. So, but it became anxiety inducing because I had cues in my head or I had like what I thought I should be doing in my head 
but then I'd do a rep and they'd, they'd give me another cue. So it was kind of like this interference of like what you're tell, being told versus what you're feeling. Yeah. Right. And that's why I think for me, videoing my lifts and then me learning to analyze them technically has been really helpful. And then also just, I'll be honest, like there's stuff where I'm like, ah, that felt really hard. And I was like, and then you see how it moved and you're like, oh, that moved pretty well. I'm kind of being a little soft here. Right. Like, you know, it's good. But like you, you know, and that's one of the things I think is missing from a lot of people's like when they're learning to move. It's just like, here's the here's the goal of the task. Let's set up an environment that helps you create it and and do it well. And Mm -hmm. then like, let's just break it down. Right. Yeah, because you're right. Like when I was in the weight room for the first time, you know, there was, there was 50 other kids and there was definitely kids like me who just didn't take the strength very quickly. Um, but also like, you know, make a squat to a box as opposed to air, right? Like have set up the, some constraints, show us that like, okay, you're not, you're not like super bad at this. Cause that was really what was going on in my head is like, I'm just super bad at this. Yeah. And it's like, no, you're not super bad at this. You just need to help. You just need a little bit of like help. Right. Yeah. And and then build on that. Uh, it's just like yeah, with pull ups or a muscle up. It's like how do I break this thing down to yeah. get me where I want to go, right? And um, it drives me nuts, like the the amounts of coaching I see for youth in particular, where it's just way too hard for them. And I'm just always so concerned when I see that that you're just gonna create that learned helplessness you were talking about, you know. Um, I see like coaches sometimes on Twitter ranting about like, you know, uh, kids not being able to do push-ups and like, so you got to get them doing push-ups and it's like, well, push-up isn't really a great starter exercise for most kids, especially nowadays, especially if they're overweight and they're weak, they don't know how to move, like put two kilo dumbbells in their hands. And let yep. them just press those 20 times without having to struggle. And then you can naturally build it from there. Yeah. I just think uh, the biggest disconnect between coaches and the people they're coaching is is just making things too hard for them. Like there's never a downside to just starting super easy, letting somebody prove to you that's too easy for them. And then you can always just add a bit on there. Yeah. Hundred percent. It's the expectation that like, a there's a certain way, and then b that it has to happen in a certain time frame, right? Like, obviously, we want to make progress on a regular interval, and if we're not, we have to assess that. But there's just so much that goes into it. And you're hundred percent right. It's like bench pressing a fifteen pound barbell is way easier for a kid. So much to easier. Yeah. Figure out than pushing up their body weight, right? Like, and. And yeah, then they might pick it up faster, but it's just like the almost 90 year old lady. And I had trained, you know, yesterday it's like, she's not going to be able to, you know, like do certain things like perfectly either. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, but just allowing her to move with a, with weight that's not crazy challenging and and like accepting technical faults is fine. Right. Like, but there's a lot of coaches who it's like, all right, we got to regress. You need to do X, Y, you need to get stronger with these like other kind of just random things. Like that's not true either. Cause there's still specificity, but it's just like, you just allow for the gray. Right. And 
stop putting people in the boxes. I know like it's kind of what we do. We, we categorize people, but yeah, no, I think, um, there's just, you know, one of the reasons that like physical training is such a great analogy for life is there's all sorts of different things that, and there's seasons like you're in, you're in like get lean and, and get a muscle up phase of life, which is cool. Yeah. Right. Like as long as you're moving in the direction you want to go and, and trying to be healthy, like good, good on you. Like, it, you know, we don't have to judge that. Right. Um, yeah. I think as long if you're not professional and getting paid for it, yeah. um, it just doesn't make sense to put anything other than health and enjoyment as the main determinant of what your training is going to look like. Yeah. And I would rather fully lean into something that I'm excited about doing than plug away at something just because I've always done that thing or that style of training, or I think I have to keep on setting personal records for the sake of it and that thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I just always go and I'm like, I, I think I struggle with like, what do I want to do and what do I care about? And, you know, I think I just coming from kind of the, you know, my, my first love when it started to become like, I'd love training. I mean, I, I used to love to run and I still do love to run. And, but mostly that was just for like mental health. Like, mm. like the, after you go, like, I just knew I could run three to five miles like hard and then feel really satisfied afterwards. Yeah. Cause I knew a lot, like when I was 19 or when I was 17 or 18, like my friends weren't doing that. Like it kind of made me feel good because I was like pushing myself in a different way. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, I'm, I'm starting to get back into it as well. And it's, it is grace for just getting a time to fully zone out and do something monotonous over and over again. And, you know, yeah. listen to music or something or a podcast. But it's still satisfying. Cause you're like going somewhere, right. Even if you're running a loop, it's like, yeah. Like what? Cause when I would run my best, I would, there was like telephone poles that were like, basically they're kind of like a hundred meters apart. A lot of the places I would run. And so like, mm. you're just running from telephone pole to telephone pole. And like, yeah. you just, if you're pushing, you know, I played soccer. Um, and so like just being able to push between telephone poles, it's like, you look at like your overall time. You're like, Holy crap. I hauled ass for 20 yeah. minutes. Right. Um, but like CrossFit also kind of, it, you know, you've, I think a lot of people fall in the love of with the idea, like, okay, I want to get good at everything. And I think you definitely can, but the amount of time it's going to take, and the amount of energy and the amount of sacrificing in a lot of areas of life that it takes for a lot of people. Um, cause you're not going to get, you know, most people are not going to get paid for CrossFit, you know, especially right away. Right. No. Um, but you know, the way I'm looking at it more and more is like, okay, I, I want to squat. I want to deadlift in some form. I want to bench press. I want to do like the snatch and clean and jerk in some way, shape or form. And then I want to just like, still be able to be physically fit. So like what that means for me is just like, you don't have to become like a super heavyweight just because that's going to increase your total. Right. Mm -hmm. Like just be an athlete, which sounds cheesy, but like just keep building athleticism over, over time and seeing where that takes me. I think one of the things I'm really going to get into is like tennis, uh, well, or like a racket sport because a, it's super good for, you can play it for a long time, you yeah. know? Um, 
and then you can still use your strength and all that type of stuff. But then like you're like people who play tennis, like their balance and as they get into their eighties and nineties is still freaking amazing. It's cause you did all this yes. balance oriented work. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and it gives me something to stake. I like to be competitive. Even if I'm not going to win stuff, I still want to, I still want to put forth effort. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Are you, um, I mean, we won't go too much longer because we're almost at an hour, but I just wanted to to ask, I know you're a big reader. Is there anything you're reading currently or recently that you'd recommend? I'm reading, uh, so, um, excuse me. I just finished, um, Gabor Mate's. I didn't, I honestly did not listen to the whole book. It's so long. Yeah. But bits and pieces of it. I kind of went through chapters and was like, okay, this sounds interesting. Basically it's about, it's called the myth of normal. And it's basically how like our culture is kind of toxic and it's making people feel the way they feel, which makes sense. Um, but kind of uh, juxtaposed to that, I'm reading uh, what to say when you talk to yourself by Shad Helmstetter. And it's basically, you know, how to reprogram your inner dialogue. And I think this is what inform like you know I I've been doing quote unquote affirmations to some degree for a while, but I've really started to try to ingrain them by repetitively doing them, and it's weird because I'll be like you know I'll I'll say like I accept myself you know fifty times while I'm showering, and it almost feels like uncomfortable like because it's like like almost subconsciously I'm like a little bit like you've never accepted yourself right and it's really yeah, weird yeah. but but you know. Uh, the overarching premise of that book is that your programming creates your beliefs, your beliefs, create your attitudes, your attitudes, create your feelings, your feelings, create your actions, right. Or dictate your actions. And you can intervene anywhere along that. Right. Um, but your underlying programming is what you, you grew up with. It's like your default state and rewiring that I want to, it's a, kind of a grand experiment. I'm going to really try to keep up with this stuff and mm. and see where it goes. But you know, it's like, I, I do believe that like your programming is dictates so much of who you are and you don't have to take away everything that's good, but the stuff that's not serving you, like, why not take it out? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good. It's interesting. And so that was the conversations you have with yourself. It's called what to say when you talk to yourself. I'll link what to say it to when you. you talk to yourself. And what was the other book about um, the, the myth of normal? The myth of normal. Okay. Gabor Mate. Yeah. So and that's kind of about how there's an idea that there's uh, a, a, a stereotypical idea of what normalcy looks like. Well, I think his overarching premise is that we've normalized stress and we've normalized like toxicity. Ah, uh, like, okay. Right. We've, right, we've yeah. normalized like so disease we've normalized dis-ease which is like dis-ease is in our body something is not feeling good but we have normalized all sorts of conditions that are very mm. stress yeah and cognitively related um yeah. you know they're almost like they're just they're not a glitch they're a function of our our society and our culture now which is really interesting and you oh, know okay a lot of times really people who I see as are happy are almost like they're not rejecting society outright, but they're definitely rejecting like, you know, like doing everything for money 
right? Or yeah. sacrificing their self-worth for X, Y, Z, right? And, um, you know, like, it's kind of like the stuff we talked about. They're managing their coping mechanisms better, right? So. I think the problem when you start to reject a lot of the stuff that's become normalized that is not good for our physical or mental health is that it can drive a wedge between you and some of the people that you have around you. And again, it presents you with some much harder problems that need to be challenged, which might be that, you know, if you're hanging around people who believe that it's normal to, let's say, like, get drunk all the time, eat terrible food, get terrible sleep, work in jobs that you hate just for the sake of it. As soon as you start challenging that or trying to change your lifestyle, you're going to make it much harder to socialize with those people. And people find that understandably a really difficult thing to start doing because there's not a lot of people out there who are quote unquote, I hate to use the word woke to, you know, yeah, there's, there's a huge disparity between what we see promoted as like normal life in movies, social media, yeah, uh, talk shows, etc., and what actually leads to somebody having a happy, fulfilled life. I think, you know, like I was thinking about this the other day, how like, you know, as seriously as people make like as much as people may claim that they don't really take it seriously i think there's a lot of subliminal messaging in media with the kind of lifestyle behaviors that you see characters who are meant to be like a a hero or virtuous person portrayed doing like it seems like every badass masculine man in movies has a drinking and a smoking problem and uh no close friends because he's like the, you know not not in touch with the the girly shit in his brain you know yeah yeah and it's i think people are i think people are in denial if they say that doesn't seep into your your subconscious a little bit you know yeah i'm 100 percent with you i think um it's yeah you expectations versus reality and what what entertainment and social media do is they plan a certain expectation that is it's just not it's not reality right and when we accept reality we we often start to move in a like in the you know the direction of actual fulfillment but mm. yeah there's a lot to it there's a reason that a lot of people join a crossfit gym and they 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 want to latch on to these new people because it's like these are people that care about their health these are people that yeah like that's Change, right? massive that community aspect that they created yeah it's, huge. it's not the number easy. one thing yeah it's going to become probably well i might be wrong i was going to say it's going to become harder and harder to find people like that but i think actually uh society is actually becoming more polarized with people's interest in their health so yeah I think there's just a lot of people who are really into fitness now and then people who do absolutely nothing and then not a lot of people who are good at striking the balance in between yeah i agree with you that's so. a good spot to end i got my dog out too she's freaking out no no worries no worries and uh i hope that cold starts to feel better it's getting there i mean it's mostly just here it's coming out man so yeah 
yeah it's in the it's in the nose and throat it's coming out but appreciate you dude this is good always fun to chat